If you had to say the name of the movie we're going to talk about today as a jingle, how would you say it? Uh, hmm. There's, uh, okay. I can't remember what the subtitle is, like the, the uh, con- confrontation. The, the confrontation. Okay. Uh, American Ninja 2, The Confrontation. <laughs> That's perfect. Thank you, Joe. That's where my head went to. <laughs> Like kind of like something from like 1992. It's the American Family Insurance. Oh, that's yeah. why it's in our head. Yeah. Shh. Listeners, welcome to a new episode of the Midnight Boys present a free podcast. I'm your co-host Rob, and joined as always by my uh, kit butt kicking friends, huh? <laughs> Joe and Duff. Yep, I would I would wield ninja stars for either either of you anytime. Thank you. I would do backflips on the beach and full black ninja ninja wear and just get really sweaty. And I, w- I would pay possibly into four figures just to see you on the beach in a karate like a. Like a karate, like a, 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 a like thousand a, dollars to watch stuff run through like a resort at a Cancun beach in a ninja outfit, <laughs> doing kicks and punches and rolls. Take a yeah. trip. We'll take a trip to Sandals uh, for an all <laughs> for an all for an all inclusive trip. Uh, and so, speaking speaking of ninja stars, guys, uh, doing things a little different this time. This is a bonus episode that our a Patreon page, so you can find out more at patreon.com slash the Midnight Boys. And because of special circumstances, which I will get into, we are bringing him on the show to talk about this. Uh, Neil from Mogwai Minute. Neil, thanks for uh, thanks for paying us, first off. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Damn. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. That's all right. Yep. It's only money, isn't it? <laughs> we are easily bought. It's fi- 55 cents a minute for this 90-minute movie. Beautiful. <laughs> it's worth every cent or penny. You guys say penny. I don't know why you say penny, because you don't have pennies. But you say you use penny in that way. It's weird. Uh, we have pennies, we have but pennies. Every, everyone hates them and doesn't They're use them. They're literally trash to us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like yeah how many pennies them. do you have to pick up that you would that you would be like, I'll hold on to these? It has to be over. It has to be over twenty, right? It would have to. It would have to be. No. Pro, it would have to be professionally rolled, like when you go to a bank. Like yes. if I just saw a bunch of pennies on the ground, no, absolutely not. What, what is it? Is it one cent? Is that what? A penny one is? cent. Yeah. 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 People want them. So, like there's trays near cash registers where you, when you get your change, you can just leave the pennies there. Well, that's yeah. like paying ahead, though, right? So yeah. Then you could. To... Then if something costs a dollar three, you could grab pennies. But like it. They're literally the only use of a penny is to like put on a railroad track. But they've got the, the <laughs> word penny. But you use the word penny, but the actual currency is not penny. See, my currency is actually penny pence, right? But so I don't know why you've kind of used the word. Look, penny don't. Words. But anyway, I, no, look, I never thought yeah, about listen, that. Yeah, listen, I don't want to get into some metric nonsense. Look, we're, <laughs> it's not, what it's not metric. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, that's the one part of our system that is kind of like the metric system. We, we are a hundred of them make a dollar. We are about. 
recording this probably, uh, I don't know, like about six or seven weeks away from when the holiday season really gets into full swing. And every year, because of Christmas Carol, I try to decipher English money. And every year I'm like, this is made up. These are all just, there's like shil- shillings and yep. farthings. Pounds and a pence. Yeah. We have yeah. I'm convinced then, but it was confusing. It's, I, I, I also don't get it. I, as a fan no of Mary it. Poppins, I don't know what's happening. I don't no know. One yeah. alive, no one alive in there's gets there's it, tuppence. So. Yeah, what do we use <laughs> tuppence for? Wait, what? <laughs> two pence. Tuppence. Oh, my oh. God. It's two of your pennies in one coin. Is that why? Is that why? Like in the Dickens era, like everyone's just so poor is because no one knew what money was. Like everyone was just trying to decipher what was what. It's too complicated. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why Scrooge. Yeah, that's why he was so so good. He just yeah. confused everyone. Like the. <laughs> The the one percent who actually figure out that cockamamie scale of you know <laughs> all of his Poppins. foreclosures were because his his clients couldn't read the bill. Yeah, I don't even know how much money to send this guy. <laughs> there we are due like every what ten fifteen years. There's like a small push to get rid of pennies here. Mm-hmm. But really? Yeah. We're, yeah, we're due for one. I think I. It seems like it hasn't happened in earnest since like. Uh, George W. Bush's presidency, but from time to time, people say because it costs money to make them, but no one wants them. No one yeah. makes new pennies. They, they don't absolutely make new, make ones. new pennies. No, yes, the same old ones. They, they just go on the street and pick them up. <laughs> when the street sweepers come by, they take all those <laughs> pennies and bring them to the bank. Didn't, scratch didn't, out the year. Didn't you see that picture of like Steve Mnuchin and his like high society wife standing by the money machine? They're cranking out some pennies. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, okay. So here's we're here we're here we're here guys not to learn about money, although that too, we're learn, here about, to learn about the martial arts. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, we're talking about American Ninja Two, the confrontation. Um, I think it's fair to say maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but none of us had heard of this movie. Neil, is that right? That was one of my questions. All right, okay. So, I have to ask, especially because you're not American. <laughs> Nice. Why mean, did you choose American Ninja 2, The Confrontation? Well, there's no British Ninja, so... There should be. There should be. Man, yeah, I can't believe, like, canon films never got on that. Well, British Ninja. British Ninja. Well, it's, the but, o- it's the only thing the British didn't colonize, was ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, look, we, uh, we stopped at China, and then we didn't realize there was another one bit further in Japan but there you, go. <laughs> you guys got into that one but they you know what when I don't know about you guys right but I I loved action movies when I was a kid yeah right yeah I, I still do I, yeah. well yeah still do this is if I'm talking formative years here right and I grew up in the 80s right so I had all the greats in my at a formative age and that's really the key here so I think if I saw this movie first when I was an adult I would think it's probably not that great but I saw it as a kid and and I just fell in love with it. When when I was a kid, me and my brother would would sometimes be allowed uh, by the by the, by mum it was always mum uh, to go down to the video store on a Saturday morning uh, after buying uh, our comics, of course, uh, and rent a few movies for the weekend. And uh, and because I loved action movies, uh, that was the kind of that was the magnet for me was the action movie rack. And was uh, there. Was there like a chain store? Like, was there like Blockbusters or like an equivalent, or was it just like the corner store would have videos for rent? So I think back, like back in the eighties, that was pre-Blockbuster. I feel like Blockbuster came into the nineties in yeah. the UK. But in, um, sounds right. 
in the 80s, it was just your local video store, but it was a store that just did video rentals. So, right, so in you'd go, and then have, you know, it'd be like genres uh, on each shelf, right? So you'd go straight over to the action movie genre section, and, you know, I would just work my way through it. And of course, you'd, I kind of started with all the, the classics as we now know them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then eventually, I came across American Ninja 2. And I'd not seen the first one, because um, they didn't have that. But I took a chance on it, because I'd never heard any of the actors, you know. Um, but it was like nothing I'd ever seen before. Because I'd never seen a ninja movie before. This was my very first one. I mean, and I think at one point, the one of the main characters asked for the, them to define what a ninja is for him, because he's <laughs> clueless. I think Wild Bill has no idea <laughs> what a ninja Bill. is. Well, that's quite helpful. Yeah. Uh, especially for, you know, a 12-year-old boy. Um, but I was just mesmerized, like, right from the start. I mean, you know, the, the, the motorbike, the, the, the cold open of the motorbikes and the music, uh, that just kind of pulled me right in. Uh, and then, you know, the fighting's great. Lots of kicks and ninja stuff that, you know, the other movies are, don't really do. The other action movies, they're more kind of, you know, big guy punching another guy in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I love the setting of this one as well, on, on the tropical island. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's just I fell in love with it and then I've watched it many many times over the years and I just love it it's it's and I've come to appreciate it more actually uh, and it's just it's really tight it's like it's a 90 minute on rails uh, action ride it mm-hmm. kind of rarely lets up uh, but for me it never goes too far it kind of knows where the line is and it stays just on the right side of it and uh, and it's just fun it's a fun movie I think so did this mo- is this what you thought America was like based based on this? <laughs> no, well, no, because it's clearly it's not America. And uh, oh, that's true. And, it's uh, and by the way, do they ever say what island they're on? It's just a, no, they just it, say the embassy. It's I think it's just somewhere in the Caribbean, but they yeah. don't say correct where. Correct. The first one. So I mean, I then eventually kind of went and watched the first one. Um, and the first one obviously kind of sets out who the characters are, introduces Joe, uh, not you, Joe, the titular, uh, you know, the du- titular Dude American Dudikoff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dudikoff. And, and Steve James and gets them kind of, you know, they, they don't like each other at first and then they kind of, they, they become friends. And so it's, it, it takes a lot of time just kind of setting the characters up. Um, and it's a good movie. Uh, it, it really is. The first one's quite good as well. Um, but the second one, because they've established all that, I don't, even, don't waste any time on that sort of stuff. And it's just like straight in. Um, yeah, I have to say, I, I only seen the second one. I, I can't, I can't tell you that at any point I was like, "Boy, I'm really confused. I don't know. <laughs> like, well, I, I need to know more about this. Like, I feel like I know enough." On the yeah. second one, the whole thing works on its own. Yeah, I think that's right. So I got, I've got now got the Blu-ray box set. Oh which, wow! So is that right? four of them? It's well, they they call it the Ultimate Collection. Right, and yeah. it's only, but it's one to four. But there is a fifth one, so I feel like oh. it's not quite the ultimate collection. Yeah, I was Gosh. looking, I was looking that up. Did did uh, Dudikoff do all of them? I know he went to at least three or four. So he missed three, and Ooh, then he came back for he four. It. See that that's that's a twist that he like he, he overslept. He... <laughs> <laughs> he didn't make it for the third one. <laughs> so Steve James is in the third one. Um, but it's a chap called David Bradley takes on the mantle of the American ninja. Mm. And then I will say Steve James w- didn't make the fourth one, sadly. Um, but uh, but Dudikoff came back, and it was Dudikoff and Bradley in the fourth one. Mm. 
And then the, it's not in the fifth one. I've not seen the fifth one. Because um, you don't. It's not part of the ultimate collection. It's not in the ultimate yeah. collection. So how good <laughs> can it be? But but I do understand that that uh, Pat Morita is in the fifth one. Ooh, Mr. Hmm. Miyagi. Yeah. So I don't know what that's all about. But to to go along with what you were saying at the beginning and how this movie, you know, with the motorbikes and the island and the the military guys and the ninjas and like everything that happens, to me reminded me of the excitement of like a choose your own adventure book from that same era <laughs> right? yeah. where you open up and there's just stuff happening all the time you're like oh my god they're on you know you you start off on your motorbike and then you're on a tropical island and then you go to a bar and what do you decide to do oh no the ninjas attacked and killed you start over again like it just it had that like <laughs> yeah it, like, it needs skateboarding Uh oh this dude betrayed you <laughs> yeah it, it definitely like is like listen we know what kids around 12 years old love in 1987 and we're gonna we're gonna put all that into a movie. And I'm with you, Neil. I I didn't know what to expect. I I enjoyed my time watching this oh, quite good. a bit. Good. I wasn't sure um, if you were gonna rob. You know what? I thought I thought this this afternoon I was thinking, what are the guys gonna make of this? And I I thought my, I thought to myself, right? I bet you Joe. I bet you Joe loves it. I bet you Rob hates it. And I bet <laughs> you Duff thinks it's kind of stupid, but actually has good fun with it. Uh, I mean, my that's. Your your prediction of my take is pr- pretty close. Um, see, we'll we'll get into this later. Mm. Um, my my take on this is, you know, I had I this is a, a canon film. Canon being which we will talk a lot about. Yeah, it. It, it's a collection of holy texts, in my opinion. The canon <laughs> yeah, <films>. yeah. Can- <laughs> there, each and- film is just a different book in the Bible, as far as <laughs> that's. I can't top that as a That's week. canon now. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> huh? You like that? I, so, I, to getting ready for this, because I, I, I know and love lots of them, but I was like, well, I'm sure that there's some movies that I've seen and really loved that I didn't even remember are canon films. And the Wikipedia page, just look at the list of the canon group films and just pick any random title, hover over it, and let the poster pop up hmm. on your browser. And you... I, it's a pretty much a 99.9% success rate that I either nod my head and go, that looks awesome, or I laugh. And either yeah, way, it, it's a win. There's, <laughs> I, I, I do think if, if you're a listener and you haven't seen American Ninja 2, we had a lot to say about canon films, and there's going to be a lot of head nodding as we talk about it. <laughs> Can I, it, like, oh. Here's one. Dr. Heckle and Mr. Hype, <laughs> starring Oliver Reed. Oh, there you go. I mean, like Beautiful. you can't, you cannot miss with these. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's there's there's a lot there's a lot of uh, fun stuff happening. So real quick though, so anyone who has been a long time since they've seen American Ninja Two or has no idea, as always, I have a plot synopsis. <laughs> um, as and as always, jump there's in. There's a plot. There's a good plot here. Does it? Does um, th- th- this? It's is, a good setup. On rails is a good way to describe it, Neil. Like it, it, it's it's the perfect like every action movie that follows this recipe succeeds. Yes, it's Mm. about dudes that want to rock and are being denied (laughs) the opportunity to rock and must fight for it. The Marines are rocking so hard in this movie. Yes, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're just having a good time. The, the Marines have, like, in this movie, they have one. They were like, listen, they don't know that we just hang out here and surf and meet girls on this island, and we're not going to tell anyone that's what's happening. Is this movie pro or anti-Marine? 
because there's a lot of jokes anti about like it's like oh we thought you guys were marines like no we're army well, it's like they get into the big army versus navy thing don't oh, they and i quite like i have that. a lot to say about that too <laughs> okay so here's what happens we have joe armstrong who is the american ninja perfect action and, movie name and mm-hmm. and Curtis Jackson, they're sent to the Caribbean. Marines are missing there, so there are they find out there are evil ninjas afoot. There's battles on an island, on a beach, at a bar, multiple times called the Blind Beggar Bar, where apparently there's a fight every night. Um, there's they learn. I want to go there. I, I've, I've I mean, been I there. Go there now too. I've been there. Really? What? It's not a bar, but I've been to Camps Bay in South Africa where they filmed uh, those oh. scenes. Oh, that's we'll, fun. We'll get on to a bit more of that as well. Carry on, um, Rob. Sorry. So so we learned that there's a guy named the Lion who's in charge of the ninjas, and he is doing experiments over at, you guys, you know, over at Blackbeard Island? He's yeah, doing experiments he, there. We have, like, a James Bond lair just right next to the Marine base. <laughs> yeah, which the Marines were totally clueless about. They're um, too busy rocking. They, are, they, find this, they find this woman, Alicia, whose father's missing. Turns out, guys, that he's a scientist who was had a breakthrough to cure cancer, but instead he got his lab got bought out, and now he's forced to make super ninjas for the lion over at Blackbeard Island. I like saying over at Blackbeard Island, like it's a nearby bar. <laughs> it's it's like uh uh what's his name in uh, Rogue One who like was kidnapped and forced to build the Death Star. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mads oh, yeah. Mads yeah. Mickelson, that's right. Like I forgot his name. Uh, so then we have a large, you know, they, they infiltrate. There's a large battle at Blackbeard Island with all the super ninjas. They destroy the super ninja program. And our hero, Joe Armstrong, has a one-on-one final battle with another bad guy, a henchman. A the confrontation, henchman. if you will. Rob. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> the confrontation. Indeed. Uh, with Tojo Ken and uh, Victory. Did I miss anything? Uh, I do think it's important that when Rob says super ninja, that is actually how they're described. Yes. <laughs> like, there mm-hmm. are multiple times where they're, it's kind of like there's a training program and um, if you are And a eugenics program, I, I think, right? Yeah it's, yeah, it's like, it's ninja eugenics and if you don't, if you're not up to par, you just get killed in front of all the other ninjas. Like they, so my, my sense about the ninja army that he's got is that his super ninjas are not quite ready yet. Because we see them all kind of... Oh, yeah, they're know, in test, the tanks, giant right? test tubes. Yeah. That's true. And, and yes, I, that's And I think right. that he's basically just got a regular set of ninjas so far. Uh, and he's not yet launched his Super Ninja program. But I don't, oh. I don't know. I could be wrong. But the, but the reason I say that is because they go through quite a lot of them in this movie. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's kind of the old thing of it's, uh, you know, they always say that uh, it's much harder to get someone new than to retrain someone and they're just killing all these people left and right like how many ninjas can there be on blackbeard island i didn't know where you were gonna go duff when you're like you know how they always say and i was like about super ninjas about ninjas <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you know, so, you that, know com- that classic phrase that, com- <laughs> that common american idiom about ninjas <laughs> uh so there's 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 two questions here and i think they're tied in one is they don't this this kind of movie which i find delightful while i was watching it i i was like i i probably going to show this to my eight-year-old son sooner than later nice. because i feel like he would find the whole thing the whole thing would own i mean what's there not to like oh uh, this is um, right in the sweet spot absolutely now do they do you guys and then maybe i should know the answer do movies like this exist anymore you know what i mean this sort of like uh they do 
but you have to go to Redbox and look at the bottom row, and that's where you find them. Yeah. Oh, so the, the, these are the okay. So, but but what I mean is like a movie that is just is trying to hit that like ten to twelve year old demographic for boys. Not the movies at Redbox that are tricking you by having a title that's very close to a blockbuster that came out at <laughs> the same time. I mean, I I really there was an article a while ago about y- yeah. you see you see all these like like Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. Like look up I Bruce. think I sent that to you, right? Or I mean, maybe it's the it, other way around. It's it's possible, yeah. But if you look up Bruce Willis's filmography in the last 10 years, you will not recognize like oh, seven yeah. You will not recognize like seventy percent of them, and then you just look at them, and they're all these. Mm. I mean, it's kind of like a modern day Canon films. Just these people just find the cheapest location possible, and they get an aging star, and they just. I mean, essentially, they try to trick people into watching them by like, oh, that cover looks cool. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, they're trying to. They're they're getting dads. They're getting dads on this one for sure. Like, oh, Bruce Willis trauma center. Yeah, well, they're tricking people who grew up loving American Ninja 2, The Confrontation. Yeah. And, like, they want that. So so I, I think that there are films that are trying to fill that that void that where there's an audience, people like our age and older, that want to watch. I just want to watch a dumb action movie. Mm-hmm. And this that the what Duff's describing there is it's one producer. I can't remember his name, but it, the article basically seems like he's probably months at most years away from either being murdered or being sent to federal prison. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, so he, he pays these actors well and they work for like one or two days. And so Bruce Willis is in these movies for like 10 minutes, I think. Mm. And, uh, it, and it's not just Bruce Willis. I feel like yeah, uh, I think Gary, Old, Gary Oldman has done some of them, I think. Um, okay. So th- that ties into my next question. This movie, I, I was saying I would show this to my son. Now he's eight. I think I would show it to him now. This movie, and I do not understand this. This movie is rated R. Yeah, I was. I saw. And this is a post PG thirteen era. Yeah. Is, is it like the the talk of uh, the sex talk? I. But it's like all innuendo. <laughs> so, like, as a kid, like you don't. I don't feel like most kids are picking. Is it a killing? I feel like I mean, there's a lot of killing, but it's not. Yeah. It's not. But it's not like, really blood, right? But there's blood but when a, the guy gets stabbed through the window with the, the spear. spear. I love the spear. <laughs> But in in America, the general dumb MPAA rule is that you can kill as many people as you want if there's no blood and still get that PG-13. Yeah. Like, that's how, like, seriously, like, I watch this and I feel like there are Marvel movies that are way more violent than this. Absolutely. But do we have to go back to 1987? Because do they... do they kind of redo the the ratings on these things? Because no. maybe no, back in eighty seven no. it was just like okay, this is. So this kind of gets into why I was, um, I enjoyed this, but I was a little disappointed. But that's be- it was based on um, my perception of canon films, because like Joe and like many people I'm sure are listening to this, I canon films used to be all over cable TV. Yeah, and it's wild to think of a time. You know, because now, like, only three corporations own anything. And if you turn on cable, it's, like, the biggest blockbusters of the year. But, like, in the 80s, you know, content was more expensive. And so it's like, oh, we have, like, 12 hours left in the day. Let's just buy a bunch of these canon movies. And so, like, you could, like, a movie like this or Over the Top would be on TNT at 4 in the afternoon on a Saturday. Um, to, and, but a lot of the canon movies, like, their whole thing is that... You know, they're super violent and there's nudity and 
I mean, that was their shtick. And this, it's, you know, it's kind of violent, but in like a cartoon way. And it's yeah, a GI Joe episode. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's cartoonish, which is fun some of the time. But yeah, I don't get how this is R. Is it ninjas? I, I mean, maybe they just didn't understand ninjas. Hmm. I, I, maybe they didn't even watch it. Maybe the rating board didn't <laughs> even watch it. They're just maybe like, Canon uh, wanted Cannon. it to be rated R. Did, yeah. Maybe. I, so let's let's. I have a little primer on canon films. I think we need to jump into it. Otherwise, it's going to be hard yeah. to. Um, so I'm gonna. I have like a quick overview, um, and I'll go through it, and then feel free to add anything that that you guys know as well. Um, I feel like we all did research on canon films. Um, there's a really good article on Den of Geek, which I'll link to on our website. But uh, Canon Films was started in 1967 by these two guys, and their whole point was like, we're going to make every movie for $300,000 or less. That's what we're going to do. And after about 10 or so years, it, they learned that's not working for them. And they sold it to these, um, these cousins um, from, from Israel for $500,000 in 1979. Uh, Golan and Globus? Yep. Yeah. Yoram yeah. Globus and, yeah. Menahem. Menahem Golan. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I'm butchering that. I think it's not as bad as I thought you would, though. (laughs) (laughs) So, so 1979, and they, for for half a million, they buy this. And part of it is like the rise of VHS is really what helps them a lot Mm -hmm. here. But they kind of have this idea of we're going to make low art films, which I knew about, and kind of high art films, which I didn't realize until I looked into it. So, um, some examples of low art films would be like Cobra, Over the Top. The Delta Force, the missing in action movies, Death Wish 2, they would often like buy the sequel rights to like a big hit like Death Wish and then just make that. American Ninja, obviously. Life Force, which I've always loved Life Force. Mm-hmm. The break-in movies. Uh, I wanted to throw this in any any person of a certain age knows this. Emmanuel 4. Oh yes. They did. <laughs> Sylvia Crystal. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, you're forgetting Man- you're forgetting Masters of the Universe. Oh yeah. Yep, I'll get to that. Uh, Mannequin. They did as well. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of would do high art movies, too, which I did, find they fascinating. They did Highlander, too, right? Um, yes. I know they did okay. Break, yep. They did Breakin' and Breakin' to Electric Boogaloo. Yep, yeah. they did. And then they would also do things like they did Runaway Train, which is considered the best canon film. I have not seen, but Kurosawa wrote that. They did a Godard film called King Lear. They did uh, Barfly, which is written by Bukowski. They did Company of Wolves, which is a Neil Jordan movie. They did a Cassavetes movie called Love Streams. They did, I know this is a Joe movie he likes, 52 Pickup. Yes, that's an absolutely fantastic movie. And how we get Neil on here is they had a lot of, one thing they understood is international markets. And they had a lot of success, especially over in, in England with their movies as well, which is how, mm-hmm. Neil, in your video store, you see American Ninja 2 there. They ended up putting a lot of videos out there. They just kind of blew up. By 1986, they had produced... In 1986 alone, they produced 43 movies. Yeah. Which is wild. Almost one yeah. a week. I was looking through their filmography, and I started... You know, it's like 1984, they did like 20. 1985, they did like 30. And, you know, we kind of joke about like Pixar or Marvel or whatever under the Disney label. But like, yeah, these dudes were just cranking out content. Yeah. So all, then... All incredible... You forgot one in your high-end list there, uh, Rob. What's that? Uh, Barbarian Brothers. Okay. <laughs> with, uh, uh, with you, I don't know if you've seen that one. That was another one. I, I where, have not. Where I saw that you know, way too early uh, than, than I probably should have. Um, it's another kind of fun one like this, actually. And it's got these two, two brothers, Peter and David Paul. 
uh, okay. and they just play these barbarian brothers and they get separated they're twins they're twins these guys <laughs> and they get separated and they're kids and then they both so sword and sorcery yeah yeah exactly it's really good you should watch it it's very okay, akin okay. to uh, to like a conan the barbarian type uh, they uh-huh. they made him they made a movie uh that starred lou ferrigno as hercules and and he punches a bear so hard that the bear gets launched into space <laughs> <laughs> so that's incredible um so then what happens is they started they started I, I think what they did is they kind of lost sight of what they were doing. I, I rewatched uh, not necessarily a great documentary, but it's called uh, it's called Electric Boogaloo. It's about Canon films. And mm-hmm. so what happened is, like we said, we had these two guys who really in a lot of ways were the Israeli Weinstein brothers. Yeah. Like these kind of just like extremely loud, boisterous businessmen who, let's be honest, there's probably something shady you know, <laughs> going on. Um, and yeah, their thing for a long time was we're going to make things cheap. We're going to make a lot of them. And what mm-hmm. they would do is they would literally go to like film festivals and they would have a poster for a movie that wasn't made. And they would be like, oh, it's missing an action. Chuck Norris. And people were like, all right, yeah, that looks good. And they would come back and make the movie based on this poster they sold. For cheap. For cheap. But what happened is... They, I think they, you know, they their eyes got bigger in their stomach, so to speak, and that for a while, uh, these guys, they grew up idolizing Hollywood, like it talks about. They just went to Tel Aviv and watched any movie from America, and they're like, oh, in the old, old studio days, you had to have big stars. And for a while, they had, there's a joke that they had, if you read a script, that there were two piles. There's the Chuck Norris pile or the Charles Bronson pile. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but then after a while, they're like, well, we need bigger stars. And that was also their solution to their financial troubles was to spend a ton of money on big stars. <laughs> Quite a few Stallone movies. And uh, they, Dudikoff. They, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they talk about how for over the top, think about it. This is 1987, probably like the peak of Stallone's mm-hmm. p- power. He got paid something in eight figures to do over the top in 1987 dollars that's crazy yeah an arm Um, wrestling movie and and then they also they kind of started doing these franchise movies which tells you superman 4 man that's what ruined them not on the superman 4 masters of the universe they literally ran out of money while doing it which is why the end (laughs) battle is in the dark (laughs) um and even crazier they had the rights to spider-man and they just never got around to using it so apparently, I so Superman four, they originally were going to do it with a budget of thirty six million dollars, and then they slashed the budget to seventeen million, and that movie came out and everyone didn't like it, and it like killed Superman in movies for like twenty years, and then the Spider Man one thing I read Duff says that they didn't know who Spider Man was, they thought it was about a giant eight legged tarantula. I mean, I believe that one hundred percent. But Captain it, America, they did that too. But it it really shows how pre Burton Batman, no one wanted to touch these goofy franchises, and yeah. that these dudes. I mean, these were also outcasts. Like these were, you know, like the major studios are like, oh, those dudes, they just make skin flicks and these Death Wish sequels, and they're not they're not a real studio. And it's like, let them have Spider Man. <laughs> now Spider Man's like a billion dollar property. 
And and so then as they were struggling, they did have a couple other hits. They had Kickboxer. Um, they did Kickboxer, which I think made forty million, and it only cost like a little over a million to make. But by nineteen ninety three, uh, it was the end of Canon Films, and it was sold to MGM. But I mean, quite like in the eighties, quite a like a real story of especially for the eighties of like That's your pretty. eyes, right? By like eighty six, I mean they're dominating, and then quickly real, you know, quickly just doing too much. And suddenly you're out of business. Uh, I will correct you on one thing. It wasn't quite MGM. Um, in, 1980, oh, okay. in 1989, um, this uh, kind of an Italian businessman who did have mob ties named, <laughs> named Gian, yes. Giancarlo Peretti, he bought Canon along with MGM. <laughs> And, oh, okay. and and didn't really do anything with either, except he just lived, like, a lavish Tony Montana lifestyle. And then I believe he's, like, he fled the country, and he's, like, trying to be... They're trying to extradite him. Like, he's... It's seriously, like, he was... In the 70s, like, he was assisting... He was bribing officials in Italy on behalf of the mob, and it's it's just fascinating. Like, it, he these are, like, old-school producers who just have will like cut someone's throat to get a deal at cans for this dumb delta force movie we'd love to have him on the show yes <laughs> uh speaking of stars would you guys agree i mean this is this is i think we all would agree that american ninja 2 and i'm guessing all the american ninja movies would be better if it didn't star uh, dudikoff dudikoff who well let me ask is... you guys let me ask you guys right because you've never seen i mean you, you mentioned earlier you'd not seen not just not seen this one but not seen any of them and not heard of this franchise at all is that right yeah correct oh, i'd right. heard of the franchise but i'd never okay. seen any of them no but you guys all know michael dudikoff uh, i don't think i knew him until this movie okay. like until i watched it yeah i think i maybe recognize him from like bachelor party maybe but like i was gonna ask you what so if it wasn't for this movie then how how would you have known dudikoff he he, i mean i think really he just looks like a blonde dude in the 80s like you know what i mean like the way they cast him and make him look is like this is what people look like these are the cool guys he looks like about 50 other actors from that era who are usually like you know the bad guy in a movie like trying to like shut down the ski lodge or something that the kids (laughs) that the kids skate at or ski at what was frustrating watching this movie is they have the guy who should star in this on the cast and that's steve james who to me steals every scene he's in and is way more charismatic. He, he's the only person in this with actual screen presence. Well, he, and he's he's he, great, and he's Watch actually him. a martial artist, um, whereas uh, Dudikoff is a dancer, sandwich artist. Uh, and, <laughs> and he he was um, it, this the original American Ninja movie was was written um, was written for Chuck Norris, so it's supposed to be Chuck Norris. Yeah, he okay. didn't want to do it because his face would be covered, though. Didn't want to do it. Um, and so they went out to um, a general casting call. They got 300 people, uh, and, they, and they whittled it. Sorry, they got 400 candidates. They whittled it down to 100 for the second audition, um, and then down to 20. Um, but as soon as the director, he says, as soon as he spotted Dudikoff, he knew that he was the American ninja. Um, can you imagine? I don't know how normal casting calls go, but can you imagine being like, all right, let's listen, look at these three to 400 people and being like, I can only narrow it down to 100. <laughs> After the first time, I feel like you could be able to bring it down a lot more than a hundred. Yeah. After the first, it's a big time. second audition. Yeah, I'm sure there's a bunch of people like, oh man, they're calling me back. You That's guys have a chance. Just 
that that's a lot of interviews to schedule an outlook to make sure everyone's free who's going to be on <laughs> it. <laughs> Uh, but Steve James is one of those guys who's like, he's another guy who's like, I don't, I couldn't name after, until looking it up what I've seen him in, but he's a guy I've seen in a ton of movies from the eighties and like early nineties. Yeah. Uh, he's, and I really like him. Yeah. He was really good. Dudikoff has no, no presence to me. Also, and he's not having fun. Also, it looks like Steve James is having fun. There was not much American ninjaing until the third act. Like did, Dudikoff forget he was a ninja? Well, I mean, he's... He, yeah, okay. So, I mean, he doesn't kind of adorn the, the ninja garb until that act. But he does a lot of fighting. I mean, you know... And, he does and he does a lot of fighting, but he's doing, like, army stuff. He's, no! Well, he's, he's doing kicks. Well, okay. he's, he's putting his ninja skill... Okay, I, mean, I, do, I do like it when he catches arrows. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's doing that sort of stuff. He's throwing the ninja stars back to the ninjas. Yeah. He's, he's doing a lot of kind of ninja stuff. He and domes a guy in the forehead with a ninja star, right? Uh, yep. Yeah. That sure was cool. Does. I mean, look, I'm going to stick up for Michael Dudikoff a little bit because <laughs> it, I think his choice of, of acting in this role is, uh, is, is quite interesting to me because, you know, he, he plays Joe in, a, in a quite a stoic kind of way and in a, in a very understated way. And I feel, I feel like if you had a different, maybe a, a few different kind of stars playing this role, you would just get a bit more of an over-the-top kind of performance and it would just spoil it. Joe, Joe's character, it really comes from the first movie where he's a bit of a loner, he's a bit of an outcast, doesn't talk a lot, he's quite kind of reserved and that's kind of, for me, that is the ninja ethos. It's, it's not to be ostentatious and, you know, extrovert. It's to, it's to blend in the background, be, be silent. You know, and I think he does that, and and I quite like him in this role because I think he actually provides a good counterbalance to Steve James, who is more of a screen presence for sure, and he's a great screen presence, Steve James. Um, but I think if you've got two people like that, it might not work so well. So I like the reserved and uh, and stoic Joe Armstrong. Uh, you don't in, want you don't want too much fun, Neil. No, I just think it would spoil it. If you, it'd be too much. It would be too much. But I think they only work. It only works because there's two of them. I think you know, it's, if you just had two Steve Jameses, this would this just wouldn't work. Yeah, I get I get what you're saying. I feel like I still feel like Dudikoff is not. He's not a good presence. I you know I feel like, uh, you know the buddy cop mentality. Like you know you can find the the Nick Nolte equivalent to Steve James, Eddie Murphy, or, you know, the Martin, the Martin and Riggs, like, I don't, you know, I don't feel like they overshadow each other, so. Well, let's ask the question that really solves this, guys. Would Tony Danza be better in this role? (laughs) I would love to see Tony Danza as the, as the Italian-American ninja. Hey. Oh, boy. Uh, okay, so uh, we talked about Steve James, which you mentioned, Neil, tragically not, or wasn't in, in the final one. I mean, he, yeah. at 41, dies from pancreatic cancer, uh, which is just sad. That's too bad. And, oh, like, you know, the, he was just like, he's just like a ripped dude, man. I mean, that dude, he, I don't know. I just enjoy him a He's lot. a muscular man. Yeah, yeah when yeah. he, like, starts, like, fighting all the ninjas, he's having a blast. And so was I. Um Another guy I want to talk about that I have on. Uh, well, hold on. Just, on, I, just while you're on Steve James. Just yeah. while you're on Steve James. Uh, afraid of water. Couldn't swim. 
which I did hear that. <laughs> there are a lot of there are a lot of kind of swimming type uh, sequences in this movie, all water related. They are on an island. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know how to ride a motorcycle. Oh, I didn't know that. So they literally had to push him into the frame when he's sitting. <laughs> nice. <on the> side. <laughs> Man, that's that's the canon ethos right there. Yeah. So uh, we'll just push him. <laughs> he, so, he was he was one of the baseball furies in the Warriors. That's pretty cool. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was cool. Oh, that's awesome. He. So I read on the Steve James thing that it's the scene at the beach where they have to jump in the water. Yeah. And Dudikoff and James were up there and they were about ready to, to do the scene and Steve James is like, I don't know how to swim. <laughs> That's when and Dudikoff's like, what? So now. they stopped it and they're like, we need to bring a stuntman in. So they bring the stuntman up there and he's up there and he turns to Dudikoff and goes, I also don't know how to swim. <laughs> God, so then they were like, then they're like, well, let's just have Steve James do it. And apparently he was just like, he just agreed. I mean, I'll give this to, to Dudikoff was just like, just grab me on the way down and make sure I don't drown. And that's what they did. <laughs> <laughs> so, incredible. Yeah. Uh, also incredible is I want to talk about uh, the guy who plays the main henchman, Tojo mm. Ken here, played by Mike Stone. Mike Stone. Okay. Mike Stone. Guys, I went down a rabbit hole with him. Um, he was he competed in professional karate tournaments, and he was also a martial arts instructor. All right? All is good. Well, for a while... He was the martial arts instructor for Elvis Presley. <laughs> Come Ooh. on, and um, he uh, he also guys, you ready for this? Also was a bodyguard for Phil Spector. Oh my God, <laughs> it gets better, guys. <laughs> uh, so apparently, crazy uh, people love that dude. <laughs> I know, I know. So uh, Elvis was like, "Hey, Mike Stone, you should you should train pr- my wife Priscilla." As well, bad idea. To to, to in martial arts. Please teach so, my teenage bride <laughs> martial arts. The best so thing you started, could do is introduce your wife to a karate instructor. Yep. That's Unfortunately, right. things turn romantic. That's right. And that helped contribute to their uh, split in 1972 and eventual divorce. Wow. It, it is so funny for someone to actually have be cheated <laughs> on by their wife with a karate instructor. <laughs> it, it's so great that that happened in real life. And he tells the story to the Globe in, a, in an article titled, How I Stole Elvis Presley's Wife from Him. Thank you for not bearing the lead on that, first off. <laughs> and also, apparently, that pissed off Priscilla, who then split with him because he went to the press. So It was obviously true uh, love, wasn't it? Yeah. So, so, so no one ended up happy in that situation. <laughs> so Mike Stone, man. Well, legend. Unbelievable. Yep. So that uh, you may have forgotten already, but when we talked about uh, Tura Satana from Faster Pussycat, oh, yes. who claimed to have taught Elvis karate, uh, that's oh. one of the things. That's one of the things people don't believe, and uh, this I feel like this is maybe one of those reasons that uh, Mike Stone has the better story. He yes, he's got a little more. He has uh, he, he has receipts. Yes. <laughs> uh. So. So. Is there anything you guys else you guys want to talk about about canon films? I know Duff and I went through a lot. Is there anything that we're missing, or is there a particular canon film that uh, you want to make sure you mention to shout out? I would mention Bloodsport. That's one of my favorites with mm-hmm. uh, JC and, and our former president. Yes, only parts of it though. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Donald uh, Trump famously loves Bloodsport. Um, right, and yeah. the 
And the best part of that story is that he got too bored with the parts where there was no fighting, and so he would make one of his idiot sons fast forward through it. One of his idiot sons. I couldn't remember which one it was, but he would literally like tell Eric or Don Jr. to get to fast forward to when there was a fight. Do you do you think one time they instead of hitting fast forward they accidentally hit rewind and that just enraged Trevi? Probably. Well, I, oh, I like boy. it because it's set in Hong Kong, and I used to live in Hong Kong for quite a long time. So oh, that's right. I, I, I'm, I'm familiar with a lot of the scenes in there. It's quite cool. Uh, so, Neil, you mentioned that you saw American Ninja 2 first. Yeah, we I did. did as well. I'm curious if there, if any of you guys can think of any other movies that you watched the sequels before you saw yeah. the original. Uh, the first, I'm pretty sure the first rated R movie I saw was Aliens. So I saw Aliens mm-hmm. before I saw Alien, and I'm pretty, sh- I'm pretty sure I, I'm 99% sure I also saw Terminator 2 before I saw Terminator. That yeah, was my I one. think that was my one as well. Terminator, yeah, me too. I think for most people, uh, for older millennials, they saw Terminator 2 first because they were too young to see Terminator. Plus, Terminator it, 2 was way bigger. Yes, that I mean that yeah. movie dominated that year. Yeah. When it came out. Uh, I definitely saw Last Crusade and then Temple of Doom and then finally Lost. Oh, Army. Really? You went backwards to the. Series. I went backwards. Interesting. Because um, they don't have numbers on them, you know. So when you're going How to the video you know? store, How could you How possibly you know? known? Uh, Impossible. So thus thus far, uh, all the movies mentioned have been fairly fairly enjoyable standalone on their own. Like if you see aliens, you might have some questions, but I think I think all these movies mentioned do yeah. pre- do good although, job. although my wife famously heard my 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 father in law only owned or they taped it off T V or however they owned it. They had Star Wars and New Hope and they had Return of the Jedi and because Empire Strikes Back was sad, he just didn't have it. <laughs> That's yeah, I saw, I saw I saw Empire Strikes Back after I saw Return of the Jedi, for sure. So because we didn't have Empire Strikes hmm. Back. Here's one that I don't know if I've shared that might be surprising. Um, th- I saw the Back to the Futures in the opposite order, in that it was my friend's eighth like eighth birthday, and they took us to see Back to the Future three in the theater, and I had no clue what was going on. And then I feel like a few months later part two came out in video and i saw it i'm like all right i'm piecing this together now but talk about a very confusing series of movies to see out of order i for sure saw the third one first for that one as well partly because that's the you know it was like the thing that you know at the age we were probably going to video stores and grabbing stuff that was that was the one that was i mean three three is the more standalone of of the sequels isn't it i mean if you watch two without seeing one you're just not going to get a lot that, of the That doesn't make any sense. You, yeah. I had a lot of questions still after watching <laughs> two, and I'm like... <laughs> yeah, three, three. I think, probably mostly stands alone. There's just a lot like a lot of references to oh, stuff, yeah, and you're like, on. what? Huh? I, Neil, how would you rank the... In the Ultimate Collection, how would you rank the four American Ninjas? Uh, definitely two, then one, then then three and four are just not very good. So, I mean, okay. Yeah. I would only really recommend to the listeners to watch one and two. And as you guys have discovered, you can just do that in any particular order you want. One is yeah. actually quite good. I, I do like one. It's not as good as two. Uh, I would watch one. Is, is, is one as kid friendly as two? It's just the same stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's one is, one is set in, one is set in the Philippines in a, on an army base. 
Okay. And that's where you meet Joe. They're all just on the army base. Yeah. And it's just basically the same movie. So we talked about this a little bit, um, but I, this movie really has the canon ethos of shooting in the cheapest locations possible in that they have <laughs> the Marine base is basically like an abandoned office park. And they just put up some photos of like the president. <laughs> yeah. Reagan. Uh, yeah. It's like, well, there's a photo of Reagan on the wall. So this is an embassy now. Even the Blackbeard Island, like a lot of the like hallways in the Blackbeard Island, like in that looks like it was like shot at like a local high school. It looks like were... <laughs> it looks like the YMCA we went to in the 80s. It looks like like where 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 Jackson has his fight. One of my favorite bits is where Jackson pulls out his two giant meat cleavers. Uh, uh, that, yeah, it looks like he's fighting like a church foyer or something. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. It's like all brickwork. Uh, Do you also, mind if I bring up my favorite part of this movie? Oh, sure. Uh, sure. I, and let's just talk. We're all action movie guys. We understand how to handle yourself in an action movie confrontation, I, I'd say. Right? Oh, yeah. Sure. My, I absolutely loved when they're in their truck speeding away and one of the bad one of the villains is just being dragged behind the truck (laughs) on a rope and for some reason this is a major crisis for the people in in the truck they cannot (laughs) they cannot get him to let go and uh, first of all i want to say that is maybe i thought the best stunt work in this movie that guy who's Mm. being because there's this one part where they take a sharp turn to try to swing him off and then another person is coming on a motorcycle and Mm -hmm. has to like slide the motorcycle under the rope i was like ooh, that 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 got it's me going. Good. That got my juices flowing. So yeah. I would say I would simply stop the truck and put it in reverse if a bad guy <laughs> was being dragged behind it in a rope. That's me. Yeah, I, but I, I feel needless like you to can't say, I love dragged very long. Like I also feel like you can just keep driving fast. They're either going to have to let go and or die. Was, well, that no. was a ninja though. He was so. tena- he was tenacious. That guy. He was he yeah, stuck around he the end up on the roof. So, Joe, I thought you were going to say that your favorite part is how they're leftist ninjas. Like, there's a line in the beginning oh. talking about how it's, like, yeah. leftist elements. Yeah, I mean, that's every, like, 80s action movie, though, right? Is the bad guys are, like, sort of vaguely, like, Central American leftists. Yeah. Uh, and, so it's and the Sand- Sand- Yeah, the Sandinistas or something like that. Yeah. But I thought that was very funny because, number one, they're ninjas. <laughs> and then, number two, we don't ever get any real... I mean, it's just standard, like, uh, drugs and power bad guy. Um, but there's nothing leftist about him. No. Yeah, it's just that's just what the bad guys had to be in that day and age. Yep. And then, you know, then they eventually, what, 10 years later, it shifts to being terrorists. So this mm. is actually a good segue, uh, because watching this, uh, you know, I, I, I felt like this was a good movie to have some substances with. And uh, by the end of this movie, I had Googled, are ninjas real? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are okay. they? Uh, not. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. I, mean, so, I guess I've always just assumed that they are. But. So they were. They're like. They're well, not. I, that's but, what I thought. I mean, they are still around. So. And well, that's I, what they want you to think is they're not I, around. I did exactly. some research, and by doing some research, meaning like I read like one or two articles. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so. Like, ninjas really, as they're depicted, haven't been around since, like, 500 years ago. But they were actually kind of similar to what our current, like, CIA covert ops type people are. Um, In that, you know, you think of, in American culture, 
you know, samurai and ninja. And, like, samurai are kind of like the noble, uh, revered warriors. Um, and the ninjas are kind of like, they're like the outsider who do the dirty work. And, like, they're, they operate alone. And so they, where I went with this is that, it's kind of weird to think, but like there was a time when ninjas weren't big in American culture and then they've kind of exploded in the eighties yeah. and Canon films was actually a big part of that. Oh, okay. Um, and there were a lot of factors. Part of it was like, all the, those choose your own adventure books, man, choose your, own, <laughs> choose your own adventure. But yeah, so like, um, you know, just kind of the globalization of film and you had the Kung Fu movies in the seventies and you had some ninja stuff creeping in then, um, but I was reading articles about how ninjas are kind of, um, kind of like the the post Watergate hero for America, and that like that's when action heroes too, like people kind of likened like Rambo in some ways to like the ninja mentality, and that he's like this sure. the dude who like goes it alone and is very like you know dark and brooding, and you know he does he does the jobs that we don't want to think about. There was quite a run from like. You know, early yeah, early '80s to mid '90s, of all these different ninja-related franchises, I remember an early uh, a movie theater experience being uh, smuggling a giant bag of candy and going to see three ninjas. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. remember. Oh, I remember three ninjas. three ninjas. Yeah, ninjas were there were three ninjas. There were surf ninjas, obviously yep. nin- ninja turtles. Ninja but then turtles. Um, there was. Uh, canon in addition to the american ninja there was enter the ninja they had like i think like eight or nine total movies with ninja in the title they did so they did um they had kind of three before the american ninja they had enter the ninja in 81 then they had revenge of the ninja in 83 and then they had ninja 3 the domination which is where they 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 discovered that they could use uh, i guess a subtitle uh, and they went with the domination on that one, and that was '84. Mm-hmm. All low budget, of course, but they made they made money. And the thing about these kind of movies, low budget, but a lot of them actually made money and they made profit for the company. Oh yeah. And you know, they, some would be a miss, of course, but that's why they made thirty or forty of these a year because you know you, you can take a hit on some of them because you know some of them are going to make make their money. And one thing I don't really understand, maybe a little segue question for you guys, I like this movie, American Ninja Two: The Confrontation, was made for something like a million bucks. Right, mm-hmm. but it made. But it made. Uh, it won, when it was when it came out, it was Cannon's uh, at the time best performing movie. It was coming off the back of American Ninja, which was also a, well a good performing movie at the box office, um, and it made something about like something like ten million bucks or something like that. So that that is obviously a great hit for them, and that funds a lot of other ones that can also then make make money. These days, it seems to me. They make a movie for like I don't know, a hundred million or something like that, and it's and it's it's considered a failure if it doesn't make like something like seven hundred million. All these Marvel movies they make a billion each. If they, if one of them doesn't make a billion, it's like oh that one didn't do so well. It's like no no it made a lot of money. Yeah, I think the guiding rule now is it's something like a movie has to make two and a half times its production budget, and budgets have just gotten so insanely huge that that's a tall order. And marketing costs too are not part of production budget, so that's yeah. part of it too. So if it doesn't make more than two and a half times, they're not making a profit on the movie. Well, I, I don't know if this is still true, but I, I think I read that almost all 
theatrical releases end up losing money no matter how much they make because you know you hear that like uh endgame made two billion dollars but then you know the theater gets some of that Mm. and then um you know and nowadays you have these huge deals where like robert downey jr literally gets like 80 million dollars for one movie when you take that into account and now the real money is in uh you know the toys and the sequels and the mark you know what putting stuff on disney plus and how much you know how many pairs of underpants can you sell with ultron or batman on them or whatever but I think I, your question, Neil, I understand is like, why, why is it better to make a movie for five million that makes thirty million versus making a movie for a hundred million that makes two hundred million, right? Like, yeah, dollars. You're, make, you're still yeah. making a lot of dollars. I think part. Dollars. I think part of it is just it was easier. There was less competition. Like when this movie came out, you didn't have video games anywhere near what we have now not many people had cable there was no internet so it was just like oh let's go see a movie and you didn't need you know now like every movie has to be like a big event to lure people out because there's so many options and you don't you know there i've i've read something to the extent like you can get a you know a 150 million dollar budget or you can get four million but you can't get anything in between and they don't really make movies for adults unless you have, you know, it's like A24 Studios or right. something that get, just gets dumped or something like that. I mean, is that why they don't make a lot of, like, comedies don't really tend to make a lot of money, don't, do they? Uh, one reason for that is because it's hard to ship them overseas. That the hu- you know, translate, yeah. Yeah, that's why, like, we tailor all our stuff to China because we want, like, I feel like it was one of the Terminator movies. I lose track, but like it did super well in China, and like no one in America cared. And that's why, like a movie like Avatar, made so much money because it can like it works. Yeah, in a ton of different countries. Because it's so dumb, it translates really easily. I mean, I would obviously China says a lot of stuff, but I know like China recently has talked about how they don't they said they don't want any more like effeminate guys in movies and they're starting to really crack down more in entertainment and i feel like hollywood must be sweating because china is such a huge source of income for american movies now like i feel like two-thirds of profits for theatrical releases come overseas but china has a quota on western movies that they show in their cinemas and it used to be only like something like ridiculous like 12 movies a year yeah, I think they and now, recently. but now, like just recently, I forget who the Chinese president, prime minister, I don't know. He he said she, that she. he said he said that like they're going to crack down on like effeminate girly mm. men in movies. Like they want more macho men. Well, that's not surprising. Well, I hope they want macho podcasters because we're ready to fill that void. <laughs> Here we are, China. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you guys a question then, because um, you guys are, are experts on hunks. Yeah, <laughs> right. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. I, and one one thing I've always wanted to do is talk hunks with you guys. I'm ready. Yeah. Now I don't think anyone would disagree that Steve James is a hunk. Absolute hunk. He's, right? he's top top tier. Oh, he's, he's prime beef, isn't he? <laughs> Could wash your cl- wash your clothes on those abs. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> no, what, what about Dudikoff? Is Dudikoff a hunk? No. No. Just, right, explain. He's a generic he's looking just, guy? Just... He, he's just kind of a himbo. Yeah, it, it, he's just like, like I mentioned in Duff's kind of city, he just looks like every 80s, um, like, blonde hunk. He looks like Guile from Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. And there's, like, a lot. That look was, like, a thing, right? Like, uh, like the Street Fighter, this, um, in, in, WCW, in WCW Wrestling, Sting had that look, right? Like, you just sort of have this. Blonde hair, usually like a you know, usually like the high, the high like little buzz cut, not buzz cut. I don't know, you know, a uh, flat top, the flat top, yeah, and blonde hair, you know, and you, you kind of like the the good looking surfer it was, dude. It was also kind of the uh, um, Ivan Drago look. Yeah. Uh, yes. There you go. What Dolph Lundgren couldn't think of his name. He, he's just a little too generic looking. Like there's nothing yeah. distinctive about him. Like it, it, to to qualify at least in in my hunk hierarchy. You, you need to have something distinctive about your energy and yes. your looks. More than looks, Neil. It, it's about energy too, and he does not not provide that. When Steve James breaks up that like rugby huddle by just like lifting his arms super quickly, and just mm-hmm. they all fall over like bowling pins. That's that's hunk behavior. No, it's actually, <laughs> it and yeah, I think in this it, you actually get the sound of bowling pins. You did, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We I should mention. I enjoyed that a lot in this movie, and that's what I mean when it's I having think, fun. I think that might learn. that might be my favorite part. And <laughs> listeners, what happens is you know it's you have a dog pile, made, like twelve ninjas just like pile on Steve James. He just kind of like locks his hands together and like just like Hercules lifts up off. and yeah. they all fall down. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. The sound designer was having fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a good time. I mean, it's just a it's just an enjoyable time I had throughout the entire movie. Uh, what was your favorite I, moment, Rob? What's yours? I, I like the beach fight. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I I definitely like when the beach fight started happening. I think it was the first time where I was like, okay, movie, okay, yeah. I'm in. And that's like twenty minutes in. It's quick. Yeah, it's pretty early in. I mean, I know there's like a fight at you know the first of nineteen fights that they have at the uh, <laughs> beggars bar or right. whatever. The blind beggar. <laughs> the blind beggar. Yeah. Uh, but I really enjoyed the beach fight. The beach fight, one of the, the, the best bit for me about the beach fight is the ninja's human ladder to get up yes! the rock. That's what cool. teamwork. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. It, I think my, my favorite is, um, is when, so the bad guy, the, the lion, uh, who, who's basically M. Bison from Street Fighter 2 as well, um, he, he does a little speech. He's got his auditorium full of ninjas and he does a little speech to the people who are standing behind him who are presumably kind of his fanciers or his stakeholders or whatever. And, um, and the ninjas do a little demonstration. And then towards the end of the demonstration, he just gives a little nod to, uh, to, to Tojo Ken. And uh, Tojo Ken goes down and then just basically kills about, about a dozen of them. Yeah, just to show is, how badass he is. This, yes. is. this is the part where if you're not a good enough ninja, you are... Uh permanently out of the program <laughs> yeah it's, and it's it's funny because it's not the only movie that does this uh you know just throw the throw your main henchman in just to kill a few of your own guys i mean it's just madness isn't it just they're just doing it for laughs you but, have to uh, wonder it's... if you're one of the henchmen who doesn't get killed you have to wonder if this was the right choice <laughs> and you see that happen <laughs> right. 
it does seem like a bad use of resources. That's <laughs> what know. I'm saying. Yeah. You could just be like, you know, they need more training rather yeah. than killing them. Well, just use, yeah. like, plastic sword or something. Like, you know, you don't have to kill <laughs> these guys. Plastic sword. Like, yeah, like one of those <laughs> retractable toys you get. You can still show your skills, but you don't have to kill them. I would like to make, I would like to just um, give a little n- a nod to the George S. Clinton score. Oh, oh, that's right. We were texting about that. Yes, oh, he's a Midnight Boys alum. Oh. Uh, because, uh, <laughs> you, you know, I was sick. No, no. Okay. Uh, I was just thinking, like, we have done a lot of episodes of this dumb show. And more and more, there's, like, these weird connections between actors and directors and writers and stuff that get made. But George S. Clinton, I know all three of us were excited to see because he also did the um, – the score for one of our erotic thrillers we talked about, Wild Things. Ah. And I enjoy his scores. They are very fun. This one's great. It's like all synths and steel drums. He really gets into the kind of island (laughs) feel of it. Yeah, Yeah. there's like just chill out island drums uh, while during fight scenes and stuff, which I thought was so funny. I enjoyed the island rhythms. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So speaking of islands, this is not shot in the Caribbean. This is in South Africa. Is that correct? That is right. That is right. So are we allowed to even watch this? Shouldn't we be boycotting it? Steve Van Zandt would be mad at us. Well, it's interesting because obviously when it was when it was filmed, it was during apartheid. Yeah. And Steve James um, was was kind of mobbed by the, the, the local black kids in the street because, you know, they just never seen a guy like like him. Um, you know, speaking with an American accent, being the you know, one of the main stars, and they—they they were like, like "Who is this him. hunk?" They just adored him. Um, I so mean, I would—if I saw Steve James, I would, you know, you'd do, do the same. same thing. Yeah, but I, I thought that was that was kind of nice that he kind of uh, was able to kind of, you know, just be a positive role model for these these kids. But yeah, um, hmm. it, but I went to Camps Bay, so the the, the kind of um, the where the Marines base. And um, the beach scenes are filmed at a place called Boulder Beach, um, named because it's got these giant boulders on the beach. Is that where all the penguins are? That is yes. where the penguins are. And I was going to say, yeah. so I went down there, and someone went, someone said to me, oh, "When you when you go when when you go, watch out for the penguins, the little bastards." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, come on, the little penguins—they're cute, aren't they?" And, I just, I, and they're just all there on the beach. And I went up to like approach the penguin. And then it started going berserk. And I thought, okay, right. Just, are they are they worse than? Are, they sound like geese, man. I was going to say, are they geese? are they worse than geese? Arctic geese. <laughs> Arctic geese. But yeah, that that was that was a nice place to visit, though. But and then the the kind of exterior shots are all in Camps Bay, which is a beautiful place to to visit. Lovely little town, just um, just on the coast by Cape Town. Uh, Did you take the American Ninja? bus tour of filming <laughs> locations <laughs> i had well so i had seen it at this point and uh well a number of times i mean wh- when i went it was so uh, this was filmed this came out 87 i probably went late well probably early 2000s uh so when i was walking around i was kind of th- going yeah this oh, this is where and this is why i know where the blind beggar is or was because it's not really a bar uh, but i did see that corner because it's quite a distinctive corner uh with a little alleyway down and behind the alleyway, there is um, oh, and there's the, there's a there's a shot you get of, a, of of this beautiful Indian temple, which is right there, uh, in Cape Town. And they do a lot of shooting in and around that temple. They put up a uh, like they made a fake kind of marketplace, um, and then they had this furnace. And one of the fights that Joe has 
with a ninja, he kind of burns one of the ninjas in this furnace. That so, does own. And they just had, they, they, they just kind of realized this furnace was there. And so, oh, we'll get that into the fight. That'll be great. And then, and that's what they do. So they kind of improvise quite a lot just based on obviously going down to Boulder, Bay, uh, Boulder Beach and seeing, well, let's get him jumping up there and let's get the ninjas doing this. So yeah, it was a really fun place to visit. Beautiful part of the world if you can, if you can get there. One thing I enjoyed about American Ninjas, it seems like there was only about like nine ninjas and they just like the bad guys and they just kept subbing them in. Like they just like, well, these guys are still around, especially at the bar. They have like casts and they're all beat up on like later fights. Like if, if they want fewer effeminate men on screen, then we simply need to to get our children watching canon films. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then that, that's China. We, we've lamented. <laughs> uh, we've lamented um, the death of the action star like. You know, we've gone from like Arnold and Stallone and these guys, and now like, who's the action star now? Like The Rock, the Rock I guess. Yeah, I and he, I, I, I don't. He's okay, I guess. But he is, he is yet to be in a truly great action movie. He's been yeah, some. Pre- he's been some pretty good ones. There's a lot of them that are fun. Yeah, yeah. but Arnie's been in like, you know, eight that are better than yeah. than he's been. In. So yeah. I, I found the article about China, and they said. Um, China's broadcasting regulator said they're banning effeminate aesthetics and vulgar influencers should be avoided. <laughs> mm. I, I'm trying to think of, like, if they're aiming towards a specific movie with that, and I can't even think of what it would be. Yeah, I don't know. So I, I, have, I have one more note on this movie okay. that uh, maybe no one cares but me, but I found this uh, pretty interesting, is this movie inadvertently featured the biggest band in the world about a year before they broke in that very early on, um, I think they are just driving around the island with some Marines, like looking for girls or something. And right. they're li- and they're listening to a Guns N' Roses song. But this movie predates Appetite for Destruction. And, oh, um, nice. It's, the song is Move to the City, which is on the, like, a effing suicide EP, which was, like, what got Guns N' Roses a record deal. But it's just funny because this came out like a few months before Appetite for Destruction. And then it took that album a little while, actually, to get really big. But it's just funny how this canon movie <laughs> yeah. in- inadvertently featured what would in like 18 months right. be the, the biggest band in the world. Wow. Wow. That is, that's fascinating. Good for like that. Yeah. Um, I want to do, uh, Neil, since we have you on, I want to point out a couple things. One, mm-hmm. um, I know we said this off air before, but but one of the reasons we even have, um, you know, this podcast, a free podcast, is many moons ago, Joe and I were on Mogwai Minute with you and George to talk about, we did a two episodes mm. about Conan the Barbarian. We did. And it was like, it sounds stupid, but coming from the minute-by-minute minute world, I feel like it was Joe and I being like, oh, you know, that's fun just talking about a movie mm. once. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. believe over half of the people involved in that recording got in trouble with uh, ladies in their life because we talked for so long about it. <laughs> yeah. It was a I think that might have been recording. the first one of those we recorded because this was between the first and second seasons of Mogwai Minute. Of Gremlins, yeah. Yeah, of Gremlins and then Gremlins 2. And, and we were kind of thinking, George and I, we'll take a little break, we'll take a year or, or so between the movies, but but we'll, we'll put some content out for the listeners. What should we do? And I just came up with this idea because I obviously love 80s action movies. Why don't we talk about a bunch of Arnie movies? So yeah, yeah. we just kind of thought, well, we'll just do it like a, an hour or so for each one. 
uh, and get some guests on and have a laugh. And and that's what we did. We we did five of them. Um, and I think what I think it, we might have, I think we might have recorded yours first, and it ended up being like like two and a bit hours. <laughs> which made us think well we'll just chop it in half and then we've got like 10 episodes instead of 12 uh t- five episodes to release and that's how it kind of went yeah yeah it was it was fun, it was and, good and fun. so i figured when you you know when you asked to to talk about it to have us talk about american ninja 2 i figured we should pay you back and have you come on and uh you know since you're sort of like part of the reason why we decided well oh, one movie at a time is a way better way than minute by minute oh, good well, you, you've you've made a dream come true of mine because I've literally waited thirty years to talk to someone about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if this movie will be trending. Uh, like, we Whoa. should look at the Google trend or the Google right. stats for it. Like, I'm in a sure week, we'll have a real make a real dent on it. Yeah, Duty Cough um, will get another check in the in the yeah. post. You'd be like, wow, that's a big one. <laughs> Seventy-two dollars. Uh, wow. Uh, Neil or anyone else, do you guys have anything else you want to talk about with American Ninja Two? This is your this is your chance. I have I have one fun fact. Okay. You know the the they like they go to a garden party and yes, uh, a little, Jackson a little governor's ball. Yeah, <laughs> and and Jackson and Armstrong are all in the in the dress uniforms, but they're, they're in the dress uh, marine uniforms. They're they're doing um, some stolen valor right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jackson hits up this girl at the garden party. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed. I did. Uh, he he so. He actually ended up. Steve James actually ended up marrying this girl. Wow! They met on set doing this scene, and uh, that led to marriage and uh, and a beautiful daughter. Wow! Isn't that great? That, that is a fun fact. That is, that's great. That is. Also, there's more. There that that's like such like a a throwaway scenes with him with her, and there's way more chemistry and charisma between those two than there is between. Um, <laughs> the dude (laughs) the dude so neil it's been a pleasure to to podcast and and to for me at least to discover american ninja 2 (laughs) yeah it's been my pleasure and i'm really glad to have uh you know brought this this franchise to you guys um and and you know i'm glad you enjoyed the movie because it's it really is one of my favorites of all time um and I, i don't think i've ever met anyone who's ever seen it before so you're not alone in that regard a- anything canon is worth a watch even e- you know i i said that this is a lesser canon even a lesser canon movie is worth a watch yeah yeah Without super fun super fun thanks for having me on yeah thanks, yeah Neil. thank and if you you're, uh if you're a listener and, and and you want us to talk about something you go to patreon.com slash the midnight boys uh you can pay fifty dollars and We'll talk about what you want us to talk about, or you can just pay two dollars a month and you get access to uh, stuff that we kind of have behind the subscriber wall. So uh, after dark content that gets cut, we usually do a monthly episode. We're going to do one on Last Action Hero in September. Yes, uh, that that we put up on there. So uh, so check that out, and uh, you know, check out uh, American Ninja Two, or at the very least, just look up Canon Films and just enjoy the sacred text. Yeah. <laughs>